Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where we think rewrite better lore than GW. Hey, I'm your host, Mark, and uh, joining me today, we got the boys from Grimlore, uh, Rayway and Gerald. Welcome. Howdy. Hello. Oh, familiar voices. Man, I've been really enjoying listening to you guys read stories and like not being involved. Like it's it's nice to be a listener for once and uh, instead of just the, the fucking shitty reader. <laughs> it's okay. I read shitty for you. <laughs> as do as do I. As do I. <laughs> well, come on, Gerald. I, I've heard your voices that you put on. Come on. <laughs> the voice, the now, voices make up for it. <laughs> and now bedtime stories with Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is a faction fix. Faction fix two, and we are focusing on the Tau Empire. Love them, hate them, either way. We got to talk about them, I guess. Oh, hail the greater good. Oh, hail the greater good. Well, the greater good. Do you, you not like the greater good? Oh, let's, we better uh, re-educate you about that. <laughs> For the greater good of the greater good, we must educate you on the matters of the greater good. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? Of course you do. I, For the greater good. For the greater good. Mm-hmm. Be- because it is a greater good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we got some stuff written down. We got some positives, some negatives about them, and we got some things that we think we could add to that to kind of make the faction better. Some of them are pretty obvious, and others I think are a little deeper, a little less thought out. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where this episode takes us. Um, I didn't write the notes, so who, uh, Gerald, do you want to maybe lead where we're going with this? Um, sure. This was I just compiled this around the same time I did the Space Wolf uh notes and that was just i asked the simple question on the discord and this was all kind of brought up by you know different different discorders um myself rayway i can't think some other folks to shout out i think uh just another nerd answered mox boss um so if i forget your name i apologize in advance fuck them i always say Okay, I guess we'll start with the positives here. Um, someone had said they're the more traditional sci-fi-looking faction. 
Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. Yeah, like it can almost be a little daunting to get into 40K and you're like, why does everything have skulls? <laughs> what are we doing here? Skulls, I think that's gothic architecture, cathedrals. I'm just like, am I in the Middle Ages or I am in or am, am I in the future? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Well, I mean, history moves in cycles. So I mean, we'll eventually go back to the Renaissance eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that traditional sci-fi look, those sleek, clean lines and stuff. Uh I've painted plenty of town. They're always so fun to paint just because of how like clean and crisp and like uh they also will have camouflage on their vehicles too and stuff, uh, which also is kind of more of like that modern kind of or even sci-fi type look where a lot of 40 kids like, so you're wearing purple armor and you're eight feet tall and you specialize in stealth. (laughs) Hey, it works against orcs. So (laughs) that is the orcs. (laughs) You ever seen a purple Umi? (laughs) Never. No, I, I can agree with that. They definitely have a more traditional feel, which is definitely something I actually appeal to. I like the idea of, of like that's that's something that I like about them is they have that kind of you know they look very this is us in two hundred years kind of thing. Whereas the Imperium or even the Mechanicus, you look at them and you're like, okay, how the hell did we get here? Yeah, I mm-hmm. I hope this is not us in two hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tao's aside, I can kind of ignore. I can kind of like, oh yeah, okay. I'll I'll smile. I'm not I'll just you know don't 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 reeducate me or whatever. But the Imperium, I there, you, you can fucking lift your head more than three degrees before you get shot by a bolter. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> uh, no, no. Praise be the God Emperor. Praise be. Praise be. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking about the greater good here. Fuck. <laughs> so um, sci-fi look <laughs> yeah like it's crazy so nowadays too like there's tons of stuff coming out of japan where there's like actual mech suits and stuff like i seen one the other day where it's like like a full-on mech suit like from mech warrior and it's it's so fucking cool i i actually agree that with that too awesome. that's that's something else that i like about, about them is that like i said you could see you could see yourself in them, despite the fact that they're bluefish aliens. That they are, <laughs> in the most general sense, they're they're just science fiction. I mean, it's I like well, I mean, it's like the way you just put it there. That ne- Oops, sorry. No, you go, Daryl. Oh, I was gonna say, well, it's just like Rayway right put it. It's like they're that next step from, I guess, an hour progression from to the future, but right before we get to whatever the hell the Imperium is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're Fine. two sets behind the Imperium in all cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the battle suits, man, it's so cool. Like uh when I first got into 40k, Tau was my first army. And uh back in the day, they really only had uh three different types of battle suits. They had their crisis, their stealth suits, and their broadsides. And uh nowadays, so we have like, you know, so many different types from the size of Titans, like the Ta- Taunar supremacy suit, all the way down to different versions of stealth suit armor, too. Tell us you're ripping off Armored Core without telling us you're ripping off Armored Core. <laughs> well, but that does kind of lead to like the next big positive that was that people talked about was like big mech suits. They're they're awesome. Like 
who, yeah. who, who could argue that? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anyone like doesn't like that. I think even like you'll find people who hate the towel, but they're still like the mech suits at least. Yeah, very cool stuff. Uh, do you guys have a favorite battle suit? Um, I don't know enough about the towel, but uh, I think the more in- the most interesting one I've seen was is probably Farsight's mech suit. If I'm being completely honest, I know that's probably that might be a cop out or whatnot, but no, 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 no. It's it's cool. It's like a more souped up crisis suit. Um, you know, plus it's cool ass war gear and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Rayway, I, yeah. am, I am personally a fan of the um, what are they called? Um, they're the not the bigger ones. Um, they're the uh, ones with all the fucking like rockets on their back. They're like fucking war machine from Marvel. Like they have like just a massive like rail gun in their hand, and then yeah. they have the shoulder mount, like the twin shoulder mounted like missiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The broadside. Um. Yeah, that's been a fun model too. Like, what's super cool with the Tau is like even some of these battle suits. We have multiple variations. Um, you know, the very first uh, broadside, it had two rail guns on the arms, and then, oh no, the two rail guns were mounted on the shoulder. And then he had rocket oh, arms. Where now it's like he's carrying this cool rail rifle gun. Um, it's always cool seeing how they've kind of progressed even the battle suit miniature technology. You know, where a lot of other factions like, you know, we aren't getting new Terminator armor we might get new miniatures but it's not it's still terminator armor it's not like a variant you know yeah mm-hmm. i kind of like that they can explain uh what's it called the, the different models or different updates to models as the tower discovered new technology and modified themselves whereas like if the imperium does that suddenly it's call is a fucking bullshit character <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> tech heresy <laughs> that's the word tech heresy man well, you don't get that in Tau. They actually are like uh, progressive in their tech. Um, I think my favorite battle this... suit has to be um, it's a version of the Riptide, and it's called the the Yavarna. Yavarna. Hmm. Uh, but basically, it it forgoes its jump pack ability for a little extra armor and some cool like uh, sub munition pulse round rifle type things and. It's a very cool looking battle suit. That's pretty sweet. I didn't. I don't think I've seen that one. All right, awesome. Um, You're making me go to the GW's website to look it up now. Don't worry. It's congratulations. Our, don't worry. It's in our group chat now, boys. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's fucking cool. I love those guns. And uh, oh, that was cool, actually. That is yeah, awesome. Apparently, apparently, this one was an experimental one developed to deal with. Tyranids, like uh, one planet was being invaded, and then they came out with three of these uh, prototype battle suits and uh, were able to fight off the Tyranid horde with them. And then uh, now it's slowly getting into wider production or whatever. That's pretty sweet. I don't know what makes awesome. it able to fight Tyranids besides the two fucking massive plasma rail gun cannons. <laughs> yeah. They can't eat biomass if there's no biomass left. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see secret. those four materials, Commander? Yes. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Do the Imperium just, the, the, the just virus bombs? <laughs> the power just like, oh, that's cool. Hey, guys, target practice. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's cute. Yeah. They're letting planets be invaded by nids just so they can test out new battle suits and shit. You know, I actually wouldn't mind that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, they're like uh, auxiliary planets, not like Tau homeworld planets, but that's neither here nor there. No, no, they're they're only second class citizens. No, they let them attack the Imperium. And then they swoop in after the fact and save those worlds. Yeah. And of course, those worlds are so gracious to the Tau for saving them that who are they to say no when the Tau decide that they want to conquer the world? <laughs> and consider when when a tiered invasion fleet eats eighty percent of your military, and then the Tau come in with you know better weapons. Are you really going to say no? <laughs> <laughs> Technology progressing instead of regressing was what somebody else wrote. And this is an interesting one because we were kind of just talking about it very briefly. Um, and this one, man, I've kind of come around on this where I don't think this is necessarily true. Um, the Tau, yeah, when they first appeared on the scene, yeah, they were fucking coming out with all types of new stuff advancing. But it seems like they've almost reached the the cap of their technology. And I say this because as the storyline of 40K progresses more and more hundreds of years into the future, just imagine going hundreds of years and still using crisis battle suits, still using hammerhead tanks, um, where it's not actually re- actually progressing anymore. It's kind of reached this stagnation. And maybe, yeah, they're coming out with like slightly better processing units, but do you really notice it? Hard to say. Well, what do to, you guys think? To that, I might say, to that, I might say, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, the Imperium's been trugging along with the same fucking broken shit for the last 10,000 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, fucking bolters, man. Like, what's better? <laughs> That's actually get point. the job done. <laughs> for me, I can, I can kind of, I kind of can also agree to that as well of technology kind of stagnating. Especially with like, um, what is it called? Like that one member of Ta- of Farsight's Enclave that has like nanobots, and yeah. it's just like, it's like, wait a second, hang on. So this dude has nanobots running through his body, repairing him like fucking Wolverine. And what are you doing with? Oh, it's oh okay, it's just for him. Okay, so you're not gonna give that to all your people. Okay. Yeah, that can be kind of a weird thing because, like, there are some things like that that are such race-changing technology that, for some reason, doesn't see the whole race. Where it's like, if you have one nanobot, why can't you have nanobots for everyone? It's not like they take many resources. They're literally nanobots. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It also has to matter, like, well, like. It also seems like such a handicap too. It's like, oh, why not? Why don't they just give it to everybody? Like, or even just you know, give it to the crew because then you can just put them as human shields. But you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that that kind of strikes me as like the mechanicists doing the same thing with all their their, their special STCs and stuff, and they just they're hiding it from the either they're deliberately hiding it from the Imperium or they're just saying no. Yeah. Well, with the Imperium, that definitely kind of makes sense. You know, that there's way more like individualism and like yeah sure they might all serve the emperor but there's so many ways to go about it where the greater good like it's a collective you know like why wouldn't you want your neighboring planet over to have just as good good as technology as you where 
you know, the the same motivation might not be there in the Imperium. Yeah, I I, I also like that as the greater good as a unifying like philosophy slash religion slash whatever it is qualified as code of ethics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm that's movie, but yeah, I like I like greater good. I think it's a, I think that's something else that separates from 40k. Whereas like, like the Imperium is always going to be dogmatic. It's always going to be just a shithole. The elves are always going to be the elves. The was the Votan are going to be capitalist guys that are kind of just greedy for the sake of being greedy. But then you have the tower kind of like, oh, well, everyone should benefit from everyone else. And, you know, some people are worth are, you know, more equal than others. But we're all equal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's like, you Big know, air quotes. Every cog has a different person in the overall machine. And even though you might be the lowest cog, you're still important, little guy. Don't worry. We love you. <laughs> you have value as you a have... smallest piece of garbage in the pile. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone yeah, serves a purpose. Top, but... <laughs> it, it would be interesting to, if like GW came out with like uh, five tenets of the greater good. Um you know, Ooh, something a little more, that. yeah, like, you know, we could all probably describe the greater good pretty decently, but it would be cool if there was actually, like, tenants. So there's, like, what? no written written lore or anything that specifies what the greater good is? Well, like, so you have tons of good. people. Sorry, go for oh, it. Go ahead, Mark. No, no, you. Okay. Um, from, from the Tao Farsight books and the Shadow Sun books, the, the best it is, is it's more like... It's more like a thought you should always have in your head of like, oh, what action can I do to serve the most amount of people? There isn't a, they don't lay out like, oh, um, step one, how do you benefit yourself? Step two, how can benefiting yourself benefits your neighbor? They don't have anything like that. They only have like, oh, well, the greater good would have me sacrifice these 10 people to save 100 because 100 people are greater. So therefore, I should save the more people and let loose the smaller number because you know that's that's super in depth. <laughs> yeah. So like utilitarianism on steroids essentially. Yeah. Um the greater good like uh lots of people including myself when I was very young like uh thought tau is kind of like communism um where there's like the collective and everyone's kind of working together towards it, but it really isn't like that at all. In fact, it's actually the exact opposite of communism because in communism, you, everyone is equal. Like, and actually everyone is equal um, where the Tao system, they have classes and you actually can't go outside of your class. You'll never find a fire warrior negotiating with people. Um, like that's not, that's not the way they operate. You, you have a very, strict thing that you have been designated to do and now you do it where it even though yeah you're all working together like a communist kind of collective it it's not that way because you're not all equal and then you 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 throw in minor xenos or human allies or whatever and then there's that another element of uh of the class system or whatever that that takes form that, that kind of reminds me of a comment that was made this goes into the negative especially about the the communist uh you know the communist uh nickname but the uh 
I think one guy says, if you took Karl Marx and showed him the Tao and said, hey, this is space communism, he said, he basically said, Karl Marx will just stare daggers at you and punch you in the throat. Yeah. For how yeah, like it, you are. It's literally the opposite of what he would want. Like, it's literally based around classes, and that is the exact opposite of communism. There's also no social humility outside of your class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So, I mean, you're you're always gonna be stuck as, I mean, you you can you can ascend to like, oh, I am a fire commander, but okay, well, you're we're, we're I'm a water cast diplomat, so I mean, like, good for you. You have no authority over me. I'm just a diplomat on the lowest regard. Like, yeah. I can respect you, but like, I don't have to follow your orders. <laughs> Yeah, like even if you take like a Shaft's O, which is like the highest rank, you know, it won't, he won't be able to even boss around a core La, which is like the lowest rank of an air cast member. Like they are completely separate in the way that they operate. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed, indeed. But um, I also kind of like it to, to a point as well, though, because like it's almost, it, it is kind of like cast, it is castist. But I enjoy it because it's um, you can kind of explain away why they're advancing so well and how they're able to succeed so well because they almost play to every race's strengths. Mm-hmm. Like where the Tau can be unanimously part of any caste, they might see the Kroot and be like, oh, well, these Kroot are specifically a very martial warrior caste, so they should be part of the fire caste or at the very least be a auxiliary of the fire caste. Yeah, so, like, or like every the... Race- uh... The Nikasar, which are like uh, known for their spaceships, like they would pretty much work with the aircast then exclusively. Like you never see them with the fire warriors on the battlefield. Yes, yes, yes. But also something to consider too with the greater good is like compared to the other philosophies of the galaxy, the Imperium of Man, worshiping a god emperor corpse or else facing a vulture to the face. Orcs, who's the biggest? Who's the bestest? Let's go fighting. Uh, Eldar. <laughs> Well, need not nothing else be, need be said there. Necrons, Necron supremacy. <laughs> everyone else is a slave race. Drukari, we're not even going to go there. So <laughs> chaos. Everyone is food for demons. So which, what would be the better option between all those philosophies? Yeah, <laughs> and then even if you take that a step further too, like Tau are the only faction forty k pretty much that don't have an actual religion because the greater good is not a religion; it's an ideology where. All these other races, you know, the orcs are worshipping Gork and Mork to some degree every time they swing their axe. And, you know, the Eldar have all their Eldar gods from old. And they all have these actual entities that they worship to some degree. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, can I add something to that religion part? Yeah. Not sure if this will be brought up later, but actually the Tau are starting to develop religion in the most recent uh, Shadow Sun book. Interesting. Um, um, yeah, hmm. they're playing with um, uh, the Tau goddess, whatever, whatever the the, the multi armed god is. The Tau apparently were able to create somehow on their own. But yeah, um, yeah, they're starting to like. There's almost like a cult following among the Tau that are kind of worshiping that. So I've started to like get a little invested in that personally. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. Now that that wasn't brought up when I was picking up all the questions and picking up all the answers for these notes. So that's a very interesting point to make. Yeah. Yes, that yes. one, maybe we'll come back to that when we get to the negatives. Cause that one is a discussion for sure. 
Mm-hmm. That's a discussion and a half, that's for sure. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, Maybe I three don't... Zoom sessions worth. <laughs> you know I'm just now I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of it. <laughs> um, but onto the positives, the nice standards of 40K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone in the Tau Empire is probably eating good. You know, how many people can say they're not eating cor- corpse starch? Where the Tau Empire, they're not doing that. Yeah, you get your your sanctioned three rations a day. You better eat those three rations because then you better enjoy it because that's all you're getting. <laughs> but, hey, but that's all see. you need. That's that's yeah. perfect. They they give you the perfect amount. It's delightful. Yes, it's the greatest it's, stuff. I love fish. This is delicious. <laughs> oh boy, I'm so glad everyone eats fish on Tuesdays. Oh man, they yeah, just have yeah, like yeah. you know those like go-gurt tubes it's like that but fucking fish oh, oh, oh man, that's gross. man. <laughs> you took my nostalgia and then you just twisted it oh <laughs> <laughs> although it actually brings up a really interesting topic um i don't know if you guys have watched superman red sun the movie or read the comic but the general plot is superman is in charge of russia like communist russia and he ends up like taking over the world basically or taking over like most of the world and he begins installing like um how do i put it like uh everyone gets like it's kind of like the greater good where like everyone gets food everyone gets this everyone gets this but it's kind of like almost policed where it's like no you're going to eat your three meals a day because everyone gets to eat and you not eating is a waste of resources so you should be eating so you can work the best possible way it's just it kind of like twists the idea of like um I don't want to say a twist, but it plays with the idea of like, oh, everyone is equal. So everyone's going to get the exact same amount of food, eat the exact same time of day. Everyone's going to be really standardized. Yeah. Superman's hand delivering all these food rations and watching you eat them. And if you don't <laughs> fucking laser eyes you. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tau are relatively nice. Like they are one of the few races that will actually go to other people and trade and negotiate and set up alliances that aren't just like um uh selfish or like uh backstabbing in the end you know at first <laughs> excuse me primitive humans we usually like plasma rifles there you go we'll come back in 10 years bye <laughs> <laughs> oh no they've wiped themselves out oh, you better. do <laughs> Well, guess Dang. we better clean up this planet for them. Oh, I guess it's ours now. Finders keepers. Well, you don't want Dang. all those resources to go to to waste, you know. Otherwise, communist Superman might come. Exactly. <laughs> for the greater good, you know. Oh, man. If only there was someone to make sure that these people, these primitive, insolent, stupid people who did not know how to wield these weapons. If only there was someone in charge of them who could have kept them safe <laughs> let this be a lesson to everyone <laughs> yeah it, it is nice like i've heard some people have the complaint that like tau don't belong in 40k because they're they are kind of nice or whatever but i i feel like it's needed um with 40k being so grim dark we have tons of ways to kind of take away that edge so we don't just commit suicide you know for for example we have orcs where it's so humorous where it's like, yeah, they're doing these horrific things, 
but we're laughing with them at least, you know, it takes that edge away where it's not just grim dark. So the Tao really kind of helped do that as well for people that don't want to fully dip their toe in while still having a taste of it, you know? I super agree with that. I think that they add a nice level of um, like a palate cleanser to the rest of 40K. Yeah, yeah that that's doesn't... a good word. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't really bother me too. Cause it's like, you need some kind of levity that isn't just, you know, that isn't just the orcs being, uh, you know, being comic relief or mm-hmm. uh, whatnot. But so yeah, yeah just a little bit of levity is nice. And from what I've heard, GW or black library has been trying to include a little bit more grim, dark stuff for the towel to give them that, I guess, to give, make them a little bit edgier. Yeah, yeah. Like a great example of this is I think it's during the fourth sphere of expansion when their fleet gets sucked into the Sycadix Maledictum or whatever. And uh, all their Xenos allies basically kind of get corrupted. So the Tau actually will hunt down these Xenos ally and they kind of go super grim dark with it and they slaughter a bunch of their own allies just because they might have a little bit of that taint to them, you know? So they definitely are taking it a little bit more in that grim dark direction in some areas of it. And yeah, it's good to see. I also like that it's not like grim dark for the sake of grim dark. It's like, like that's something that I that I also enjoy about the Imperium as well is that like when you have the full context. Oh, like without without context, the Imperium is just awful for the sake of awful. Like doesn't it? It should it should have collapsed like hundreds of years ago. Without like it should have collapsed at its inception for God's sakes. But when you have context behind everything and you have like this is the world where demon gods exist and if you think the wrong thing they a demon will be born from your negative thoughts so like for the tau to have like like it isn't like oh the tau suddenly became super racist and wanted to kill them no it's the tau had a bad experience like a really bad experience and that twisted them so (laughs) yeah like what now like you know, the members of the fourth, they don't trust Xenos allies. In fact, they hunt them. Yeah, such a good little kind of element added in there where it's just, it's not even the whole race. It's just this kind of one specific part of it. That's kind of rings back to the Imperium and its history because I think it was, if I remember correct, it was like during the Dark Age of Technology, like the Imperium was much like the Tau. They tried to interact with the alien races and then over enough time passed that kind of came back to bite them in the ass and so now that's why the current imperium is a xenophobic genocidal race essentially (laughs) you can only encounter so many things that want to kill you before you're just instantly on the offensive always you know i mean can you blame them like this is a galaxy where the eldar for lack of a better word are kind of a little insane and kind of responsible for a big ass death hole uh you have the orcs do i need to go over the tyranids like <laughs> can you blame them for being for sleeping with a knife un- underneath their knife underneath their pillow <laughs> <laughs> but uh speaking of good guys though we got farsight right like farsight's a cool guy i mean yeah. someone even say he's just like a straight up good guy well, man, this is another one of those little bit of uh, where GW might be adding a sprinkling of grim dark because word on the street has it, Farsight might be falling to corn. I'm actually really interested in that, actually, because um, 
in the Farsight books, which are like the, the duology or whatever, are really well written. I enjoy them both. Um, they play a lot with Farsight falling to Corn or to Zeech, actually, because oh. um, yeah, there's um, there's actually a Tao who does actually fall to chaos in the book, and he's being possessed by um, a changer. Well, I can't remember which one of the Zeech demons is, but it's like a, it's like a mid tier Zeech demon. And it's been, and it's like trying to whisper in Farsight's ear to make him um, rebel against the the greater good. And Farsight already has his own doubts in the greater good, but he actually is like, he's um, he makes the point that he's not going to rebel because someone's whispering in his ear. He's going to rebel because he wants to rebel himself because he has issues, not because someone's telling him to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unlike, you said this was in one of the Farsight books. Yes, I believe it's in the sec. No, it's in. Yeah, it's in the second one. In the second okay. one, they really they really play up with the demon part. The first book has Farsight one v one, a space marine chapter. Oh, cool. Um, because <laughs> the comment that Mark made about him fall, him kind of sort of almost falling to corn, I think was a big plot point in his in Farsight's book for the Arcs of Omen campaign. Yeah, that was talked about a lot. Yeah. Yes, he says. Yeah, so it's um, interesting that like they're kind of taking in that route where, yeah, um, it seems like if you kind of break away from your main faction, you get isolated, and that's when chaos will kind of get to you. I like it though. I I I I kind of enjoy the idea that even the Tau aren't immune to chaos. Like they're really resistant to it. Don't get me wrong, but they are. But they could just just as easily fall to chaos as anyone else. Yeah. Was it because they're resistant to chaos or was it because they just don't have that spark kind of like humanity does? Or am I misinterpreting that? Um, yeah, from like my knowledge of old, you know, it's like they they do have a warp present. They do actually affect the warp. It's just so minuscule that most races would rather, most demons would rather focus on taking an Eldar. Because you can take one Eldar or you'd have to take 10,000 ta 10, Tau type thing, you know? Um, but then you would get like, you know, there's there's so many entities in the warp that aren't even tied to chaos gods that one of these entities are like, well, they're kind of just no one's dealing with them. That means I can kind of sneak in there like a sneaky fucker and get them. Yes, yes, yes. I also I also think it plays with the um, well, it also gives it comes into another theory that I've had for a very long time, actually, which is um, developed or scientific races actually are more resistant to chaos because a lot of the emperor's whole shtick was oh don't believe in religion or whatever don't don't believe in like spirituality or whatever mm -hmm. and that that kind of worked for the imperium for a good while was not believing was not having faith but a lot of um cultures like for example the space wolves have a ruined shamanistic culture and they have a good deal of psychers same with um the thousand suns or and or even the um white scars so you could almost make a point that um, societies or cultures that are very tribalistic or shamanistic or very like feral are more prone to um, like psychic influence, whereas like races that are more scientifically developed are almost like they almost don't perceive magic or they almost can't comprehend magic as a real thing. So magic doesn't affect them. Yeah. At least that's like that's kind of like how I viewed it as to why the Tau don't have psychers is because they're so ingrained in technology and they've so they've advanced so far so fast that like magic is such a 
anathema to them that they can't comprehend the idea of there being demons. And so because they don't believe in demons, demons don't affect them. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of like the inverse of the third of like Clark's third law, where like the third law originally states like any sufficiently advanced technology can be indistinguishable from magic. But it, mm. but it seems like this is taking the inverse of that where it's uh, where it's like if you study it enough, it kind of there's not really that that magic or that mystery or that luster to it. It's just, you know, just a manifestation of, you know, whatever laws of physics or nature or not that kind of exist. It's but it's a uh, um, I don't know. Yeah. It just kind of exists. <laughs> I got a good <laughs> personal antidote for this. Like, I was raised in, like, a Christian household. And uh, from birth, like, you know, I was steeped in religion. And I, I've since fallen away, whatever. That doesn't matter. The antidote is this. Uh, there's a couple down here. They're good friends of mine. They're from Sweden or Switzerland, I mean. And uh, we, we, I've tried talking to them about, like, just kind of more, not necessarily Christianity, but just spirituality. And since they didn't come from a background like that, they're like, huh, I never really thought about that before. And uh, it was very interesting hearing them kind of just like, I've never really put any thought into that where, yeah, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not introduced to that idea, you're just not going to be thinking about it. Yeah, that's kind of how I put it as well. Like the tower, just so they're not raised. They don't, they're not raised to know about magic or the warp. Yeah. So they yeah. just kind of... Oh, that's my excuse for it anyway. <laughs> so they kind of have already done what the Emperor tried to do during the Great Crusade then. That's how I would view it. That's that's my reasoning for it because like the Tao do have weaker souls. But even if you have a weaker soul, your soul is still a soul and the warp's gonna come after you. Yeah. Like so like there's no reason the Tao shouldn't have should have lasted this long unless it was they just have some kind of like mental fortitude that makes demons just not want to possess them. Like, Korn himself had to actively try to possess Farsight in his second book, and Farsight was able to fight it off. Yeah. That's cool. Well, well, let's yeah. do a thought experiment here uh, real quick. So I'm going to say okay. something, and then try not to think about it. Purple Elephant Monkey. Are you thinking about Purple Elephant Monkeys now? I bet you you are. You never would have thought <laughs> of that if I didn't say it, though. He makes uh, a good point. Yeah. You got me. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> is mark an ethereal <gasps> i've been known to manipulate and twist people into my will but uh no 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 i don't like power and control too much i just like getting people addicted to 40k well how do you think uh, ray and i got here <laughs> see i also don't like power that's why i'm a self-proclaimed anarchist leader <laughs> hmm <laughs> 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 uh the next really cool thing that is written down and this is by far the best most appealing thing about tau i think is their use of minor xenos and other things like uh for halo fans uh it's like the covenant where they have elites and they have um uh brutes and they have the little gaunts and stuff i forget what all of them are called and whatever but they're all different species or whatever that have all come together and work together now and yeah it, it makes it such a unique and interesting faction when you can get not only different uh 
types of body types. Like you could have a 10 armed guy or you could have different uh, technology that comes with these races or whatever too. So it really just opens up a whole galaxy of possibilities. Yes, I also agree with that. I think that's a really fun concept. I I really like that too because I mean that just harkens back to my childhood as a Halo player and um here and thinking back to just gushing over the elites. Uh listen to the Grimlore episode on the elites. <coughs> Shameless plug. Anyways, <laughs> um but I do have one complaint about that. And it's not necessarily the it's not necessarily the, on the fault of the lore. It's they are so limited in the model range. It's just you got Tau, Firecast, and you got Croot. That's about it. Yeah, you got uh, correct me five if I'm wrong. different Vespid models, and and that's it. So that's like that's my my one nitpick about that about that is yeah. just it's so limited as far as the minis and i get it it's probably not a money maker compared to space marines space marines imperium space marines but <laughs> uh but it i love the concept i just really wish that gw would expand upon that as as far as like the tabletop yeah like ah, we, we have a thousand different space marine codexes can you please just give us a tau auxiliary codex and a couple like one unit like, give us an HQ unit, give us a fast attack unit, an elite unit, a troop, a heavy support, etc. And just one from every different race. So it's like you could just kind of, like I was saying, you know, every every race can be so different. So maybe the super heavy is just like, a, it's not a vehicle. It's like a super big giant race, you know? There actually is a race. It's a, it's a really, it's like a dinosaur, uh, like a Brachiosaurus that's part of the Tau Empire. And they're actually like super friendly and like super nice, but they also are super protective. They're also they're kind of like ogrins in that they're super protective to to like life. And if like life is ever like um, threatened, they get super aggressive and they're like, "No, must protect life." And they end up like killing things, which I'm just like, that is hilarious because they're like, "We must protect the life forms." Here, I'm gonna murder all these other life forms over here. Yeah, don't look too deep at that one. <laughs> Because it's, it's for the greater good. Well, <laughs> the greater good of the most species. <laughs> it's actually such a fun concept, though, to have like, like what Mark, what Mark and Joel are saying is the idea of all these different races that have all these different beliefs and all these different like cultural backgrounds. That the idea of like a giant brachiosaurus that's super friendly and super nice, and then it gets super aggressive when its friends are threatened. Like, there's just that's a whole concept you could play with that you could just be added on to, yeah. like. Yeah, and like, it, it's cool because like, so we're saying uh, the greater good is an ideology and you can fo follow this ideology and also have your own uh, culture. You can have even your own religion within the Tao Empire. Uh, but as long as you kind of follow the greater good, they don't really care. They will allow you to even worship the God Emperor in some cases, as long as you're still working kind of towards the greater good. Yes, yes, I can also I can agree to that as well. But here's the thing, though: GW really wants to pump up uh, um, Tau numbers. Consider Tau Space Marines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Did you guys ever check out like the Dorian Heresy? It's like a fucking fan. I name. have, yeah. I've looked and into it. The, I looked the into it a little bit, man. The Ultramarines in that are so cool because basically. You know, the the 500 worlds get separated and then they pick up on the town. They end up joining the greater good. So now you got these ultramarines that are walk, rocking like super sleek, slick 
uh, power armor and walking around with pulse rifles and rail guns and stuff. And it's such a cool, like, clash where there's still these dogmatic Astartes, but now they got this super high-tech gear. Well, I think you made this point, Mark. Um, it's the the Space Marines can fall to chaos, but they can fall to the greater good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like... Mm. It's... <laughs> It seems it seems less believable that they fall to the forces of hell than a <laughs> different system of belief that is basically the same as the one they already have going on. I have a theory as to why, because because the forces of hell don't have aliens. <laughs> oh, because one must purge the Xenos after all. <laughs> <laughs> so space racism is the reason why we can't have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? That's actually a good reason why we can't have Space Marine Tau or Tau Space Marines, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with with all these different, uh, like, minor races and stuff, though, it comes with all those interesting encounters of, like, how does the first contact work? You know, the first contact with orcs didn't go so well, where they tried negotiating with them, did not end well. Where other races like the crew, it went really well. And uh, yeah, you get all these different types of negotiation strategies where sometimes even they'll go in there and forcefully make you join the greater good. Not forceful. They'll just let you get your shit kicked in and they'll save you at the very last moment when you're, <laughs> both your legs are broken and your teeth have been kicked in and your house is on fire. <laughs> As they yeah. hide the bat that they used to break your legs and hide the uh, lighter that they used to torture house <laughs> <laughs> and pay so off the guy who who uh who, who ransacked your car <laughs> this is a funny meme where it's like a picture of uh a christian god or whatever and it's like uh do these things or you're gonna go to hell and it's like but why would i go to hell it's like because i'm gonna put you there <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. So it's oh. like you're gonna do oh, you're gonna do these things to Oof. me and then you're gonna put me there if I don't follow. Okay. But it's <laughs> it's out of love. It's for the greater good. All well, for yes, the greater have, good. Have you met the town? <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that though, that because like the Imperium has done um negotiations during the Great Crusade, but naturally they've obviously fallen on hard times because you know. Some guy gets stabbed by a poop knife, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I thought it was male pattern baldness. <laughs> you know, the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> that's so fucking point funny. of evidence. Look at the loyalist primarchs. Look oh, at the traitor primarchs. <laughs> that brings the Horus heresy to a new level of meaning. Hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Magnus had enough hair for all the traitors, okay? <laughs> I need, I need, a, I need a short story where where they're all sitting at the table discussing battle plans, and then Magnus just puts starts summoning hair onto all of their heads as like a toupee, and just Horace keeps ripping off. It's like Magnus, fuck off! Like, sure, no. No as the hair grows longer, they smile more and more. <laughs> and then you see him immediately. He's like, Dad, I don't worry, I got it. Fuck, he's not answering my calls. I'll try speed dialing him. He's not answering my calls. Fuck. Okay, you know what? I'll just I'll just make him answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, but I like it. I like I like their more diplomatic viewpoint rather than the whole 
squished earth tactics if you don't submit. <laughs> yeah. And like, man, like they do offer a lot. Like they they will come to you and be like, hey, look, like, like I said, you can follow your own religion still. You can still have your own culture. You don't have to adapt to us. You just kind of, you know, trade with us. Make sure you're not attacking us. Come to our defense. Just like we will come to your defense. Yes. Just know your place. Just <laughs> <laughs> and that place is part of the greater good. Um, the, the next because thing we had good. here was an alien race that just isn't just space elves or dwarves or robots or bugs, you know, like there's so many classic tropes of the, the races that we see in fantasy settings or even sci-fi settings where the tower actually, yeah, they're pretty unique in the way they, they look and function. And it's not just like, uh, elves in space. <laughs> I actually have a counterpoint to that. Actually, you guys ready for this? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. So you know the jokes that the tower fish people, they aren't fish people. They're closer. They have hoofed feet, obviously. They have hooves and shit. Um, so they have hoof feet, and they have a very strong diplomatic and persuasive attitude. And they're known to have, like, you know, some forest shit and some plant life and some planes and all that crap. The Tau are closer to, like, space satyrs. Because mm. they realize that. Because they're they're more mm. cow slash bovine like the only thing that they're missing is obviously the full on like go straight to goat but yeah <laughs> um that is interesting I've I've been hearing more and more that like you know tower are actually kind of like camels if you look at tau feet and camel feet apparently they're pretty similar and then also the tau homeworld is like this desert world and uh, who thrives in deserts camels um. There you go. The yeah. Uh yeah, it, it's the funniest fucking thing how racist the Imperium is because they're like, they're just so ignorant. They're like, yeah, this desert fucking Xenos planet, we're gonna name their we're gonna name them after fish. We're gonna call their tanks devilfish because the Tau aren't calling their vehicles devilfish. They have their own Tau words. You know, hammerhead is a very human aquatic animal, <laughs> but the Imperium doesn't care. They just label them as that. And it's it's just such a funny thing that's happened. <laughs> uh, like Kamasaw, are they actually fish people? <laughs> nope. Nope. They're not. They're fucking desert camels. <laughs> so uh, so we're just we're just misappropriating uh, d- uh, completely different terms. And uh, yes, are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. We have the god. We have the god emperor of mankind on our side. How can we be the bad guys? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Now meet this bolter for for your heresy. Yeah. You know what <laughs> sounds evil to me? The greater good. That sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the skulls we have on our armor and the giant <laughs> eagles everywhere and <laughs> the supreme leader that is the god emperor of oh god no (laughs) (laughs) yeah no so it's cool yeah like they got like a very unique vibe to them where yeah it's not just uh kind of a knockoff trope type thing yeah they're they're definitely very different i like that like just for the town itself not just all their other races that they have inside their conglomerates yeah, one could make the argument like, yeah, they're still humanoid-ish, but it's like humanoid, but with a twist. It's 
you know, just like what everyone is saying, it's, it's something just a little bit different to not be rehashed and reused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is different, very different for GW. <laughs> very inclusive of them. What ancient army can I rip off this time to make my Space Marine Legion? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, they decided to get rid of the ancient armies and decided to go for uh, post-future army. <laughs> oh, god damn. They did it again, and I didn't even catch them doing it, those sneaky. <laughs> you <laughs> bastards! But it's super funny, though, is how inclusive the Tau are, but they all use ranged weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everyone can use a gun. Not everyone can use a sword. You know? This is true. I mean, it is known. It is I mean, known. Who can use a sword? It's not well. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, yeah, you I, know the cool things about gun. The cool thing about guns, they are fantastic on the tabletop. At least so I've been told because I don't play tabletop. Yeah, it's it's a unique army because it's one of the few armies that uh, is it doesn't play in two of the game's phases. They don't play in the melee phase and they don't play in the psychic phase. Uh, they thrive just in this one phase of the game, and uh, very few armies actually just do that. So that makes them very unique on tabletop as well. Yeah, I also like that they play like an actual army. Like the Imperial Guard, they 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 play like an army, but they're willing, but they they're willing to like throw lives away to succeed. Goal, which you you have to you have to acknowledge you have to do in war. But the Tau, they're very much a minimize our casualties, maximize enemy casualties. Use our move like they're they're an actual army. It feels like to me more than the actual. Uh, Imperial Guard army. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't see the last stand of the Tau ever. You know they would rather retreat and set up a new ambush point or another defense line or whatever. They they would much rather do that than just you know hold on for hope and die in a glorious last stand. Tau retreat. Imperial Guard assessor casualties. Eighty five percent commissar. Total. Victory. That means we have fifteen percent left. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Imperial victory. <laughs> the tower retreating. Imperial victory. Wait, what is that? Wait, that's not a church that's moving. That's not one of ours. <laughs> Whatever the Tau Titan is called. <laughs> the Manta. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> hmm. But it can't fight in melee, therefore it's a useless weapon. <laughs> Well, you tell Speaking me of if useless. this is melee or not. If an aircraft lands on top of you, is that melee? <laughs> if it, <laughs> well, <laughs> I wish they would. That'd be so funny if there was rules. Like, if you end your movement phase over top of a model, destroy that model instantly. <laughs> Takes Manta Mini, drops it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> or um. Actually, it'd be kind of a cool concept, actually. The, you can try to land a manta on something, and then the enemy has to, like, you and the enemy do a roll-off, where, like, whoever gets the highest dice wins. Then you can try and push the manta from crushing you, where you can get crushed by the manta. Yeah, like, in, like, 5th edition, 6th edition, uh, they had what was called tank shot. Might have even been in 4th edition as well. But, yeah, you could take your tanks, and if you drove them into people, those people would have to take a leadership test. And if they failed... They would fall back and potentially take some casualties as you run them over. But if they pass, Ooh. then they get the opportunity to like do a heroic last stand and they will throw a grenade 
So then you get a chance to destroy that vehicle before it actually rams you. And if you destroy it, then obviously it's gone. Um, so yeah, they, they've had kind of similar rules like that before. That's actually Ooh, fun stuff. Know that. The more you learn, the more you know. That's another wrinkle for your mm-hmm. brain. Ah, perfect. <laughs> I don't like that statement at all. <laughs> it's better than being a smooth brain, though. Much better. <laughs> Big stick, good yeah, bonk. My brain is so smooth, your insults slide right off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, those are some of the positives. I'm sure, you know, it. the Tao will appeal to different people in different ways. So definitely join the Discord if we uh, miss something that you find is really cool about them. Um, but, yeah, let's dive into some of the negatives. We kind of touched this one, the naive weeaboo space communists. Uh, We can focus on the naive part because the the other part we kind of already dissected. Um, And we can also focus on the weeaboo part. (laughs) Naive, yeah. They are young and naive. And uh, yeah, like like we're saying, the Imperium uh, during the Great Crusade, they, they were still in this naive phase of the galaxy where... They might still negotiate with aliens, but after fucking hundreds of aliens just try to kill you, you realize the galaxy is not very friendly. The Tau haven't got there yet, though. Just ask them about the exchange program with the Drukhari. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I approve. (laughs) Um, Well... I don't know if this is necessarily a negative in my mind, like naive. That's kind of good. To me, that kind of adds to the grim dark. Like this is I've said this before, where this is one of the things that make the grim the Tau the the grim darkest is where they they know they're fighting a war against the galaxy and they're gonna try to win people over and they're gonna try and fail and they're gonna try and fail and they are gonna keep doing this over and over and over because they're too naive i suppose but also they're too attached to the greater good as well you know where that makes them grim dark where you just keep trying the same thing over and getting messed up but you're still going to sacrifice more and more and still do the same thing because that's what your ideology calls you to do and what was that definition of insanity (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you can't think for yourself But um, I, I want to actually add something for the naive part, though. Yeah. Because, like, you can't exactly, like, the Imperium has that weight. It has the, the experience of being a 10,000-plus uh, space empire, having fought all those races to get the feel of, oh, yeah, we are the, the galaxy is, like, dark and full of terrors. But then you have the Tau, who are on a backwater planet in the middle of, basically buttfuck nowhere at the edge of the galaxy out like just outside of imperial space so you can kind of imagine that like a lot of aliens who were like generally good or like smaller more weakling races probably fled there too so like you can almost like excuse why they are generally naive and expect like good to happen when like they've only ever encountered like neutral to good relations with other races mm, yeah yeah that makes um, a lot of sense but as that as they expand further out yeah they're just gonna run into more of the hostilities but that's that's the sad part because they're locked in and they're gonna keep trying to negotiate 
Yeah. It's like actually it's like the one, I had one more thing fast. Go if ahead. I can drilled. Um yeah, go ahead. I can't remember where I've seen this from. I think it was from the, one of the codexes, but it was a Tau Earthcast, maybe. But they um they were talking to someone about the possibilities of what if no one else like what if the, the space that we have is the only space with positive relations and every other place in the galaxy has like enemies, basically. It was like like again, I've seen this like a year or two ago, but the idea was like, what if we're in the like the, the kiddie pool and everything else is like the deep the deep ocean full of sharks? Like yeah. should we even expand? And mm. the tower having this debate about it, and then it ends with like them being like, Well, even if the galaxy is full of darkness, we have to keep trying to find some light or something like that. Some some hopeful kind of Yeah. Expectation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. a scary thought to be the the small fish in the big pond of evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, yes. Um, Any comments on the weeaboo statement? I don't know why this one made it into the negative one. Whoever did that, they can go right to hell. <laughs> well, it kind of ties into the other the other negative comment that we'll get to in just a second. But I think there was a lot of a lot of Japanese. You can tell there's a lot of Japanese influence in the design, which. I'll make the counter argument that have you seen the Eldar? <laughs> their early concept art with John Blanche and just like all that stuff. That's a lot more weeaboo than what you see with the towel, but mm. that's just me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, they can be pretty weeaboo-y, but like, ah, yeah, I don't think it's too heavy handed personally. Like, like yeah. just cause they have battle suits doesn't make them weebs, you know? In fact, yeah. like Japan is known for one thing, I'd say. Well, many things, but typically when you think of Japan and warriors, you think of the samurai, which is, you know, this excellent swordsman. And that is not a towel. That's not how they operate at all. Well, e- even in like form of like um, of the warrior code of ethics where, you know, a samurai would be honorable and would challenge people to duels and, you know, try to uphold their their word and stuff where i don't know if the tower the same way at all with that like when it comes to war they are in it to win it it doesn't matter what they have to do to do it yeah i, I mean agree I, with that I, as well i mean honestly this complaint kind of rings of like imperium fanboy with all the gothic and the you know european very european heavy aesthetic and then yeah. you see something like the towel which you know, you can definitely see the like the more eastern influences but i don't know that that doesn't bother me as much as some of these other negatives yeah Yeah. no i think it's fine i don't think it's that heavy-handed of them i i I like it but yeah yep i mean if we're gonna talk about japan though we have to talk about the whole gundam and the the what's it called the not the power suits. Wow, I am fucking bad with the, the battle suits, the crisis suits. There we go. <laughs> yeah, got, yeah, they got some Gundam fever over there for sure. Um, I mean, but, like it, it would make sense. Like, okay, so the Imperium, the way they have their super soldiers, uh, it's such an investment. You have to take at least ten years to get a soldier. You know where. You could pump out a million battle suits in that amount of time and train a million pilots who don't have to. They could be fat in their battle suit. You know, they don't have to be they don't require as much training, you know. Yeah, you only like 
that's something else that I believe uh, one of our friends mentioned before, one of my friends anyway, he said, um, why does the Imperium rely on melee weapons? Why does Space Marines exclusively rely on melee weapons? And it's in a galaxy where every single weapon can one-shot you, and your main benefit is you're stronger, faster, and tougher. Your only benefit is melee combat. So the idea that the Tau are Gundams with, you know, they don't have to be physically strong. They just have to be able to drive a fucking battle suit around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can rely on the tech that can be mass produced instead of like relying on um, people. Um, yeah. I, that's interesting that uh, why is 40K so melee heavy? Like, you know, obviously the the answer is, well, fucking rule of cool. Um, but one of the ways mm -hmm. I've always tried to look at it is in a galaxy where you have races that for some fucking reason like to do melee combat like orcs or who are only capable of doing melee combat because they have scything talons like tyranids, <laughs> you also have to be able to match that because it's going to come to a point you can only shoot so much before those races that for some reason like to get into melee are going to get to you. So you have to be able to deal with that as well. So it's not even that, like, you know, they want to do it necessarily. Well, now they do. Uh, it's more just like, well, in a galaxy of things that are trying to kill me up close, if a bear comes after me and I shoot him twice and he's still coming after me, I hope to God I have machete with me that when he gets to me, I can still at least try, you know, or when I run out of ammo, I can still at least try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all, that also adds the point of if these races are alive in the 41st millennium and their main method of combat is I like to swing my sword at you. Then they have to be inherently a very tough race to be able to get into melee combat in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I got, I got no complaints about Gundams personally. Yeah. Yeah. Like just imagine what would Tal be if you took away their battle suits? Like that's what, what are we, what are we talking about here? Who put this in the negatives? I will find them. Yeah. Again, I think this is just a comment more about like the overall aesthetic because like you can look at a Tau battle suit and think, yeah, that's just, that's Gundam, but Alien. Sure. sure. So if you don't if you don't like gun if you don't like Gundams and you don't like Aliens, then you're not gonna like the Tau. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way they look, the species, like the uncanny uncanny valley, gray aliens, but blue. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't see this as negative, though, honestly. Yeah. Hey, man, desert camels. They, we... <laughs> Why not? Gerald, you got any opinions on how they look? Um, They're blue. Fannin. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fannin. <laughs> so. Well, like, it's, it, it's, it doesn't seem like it makes sense to be upset that, like, oh, they look weird. Like, okay. <laughs> Um, Why don't they look like me? <laughs> maybe they, they also really crazy. Like, oh, okay. So the the five foot five, five foot nine, grayish skinned alien who, by every sense of measure, looks human except their face is a little. Looks like they're missing a nose, like they got Tyrion Lannistered. And you're gonna <laughs> say they look weird, but then there's a giant hulking green mass that wants to eat you and then explode into fungal spores. And you're okay with that. Yes. <laughs> I'm sensing a double standard here. 
Yeah, so far these negatives have been uh, subpar, but um, the next one is a little better because there's a little conflict in it for sure. Um, the ethereals, they're nice. The ethereals have been written very cool in my mind, and I hope they never get added to where it's they have this weird control over the the race under them and whether it's they are just such good orators they're so charismatic in some really old lore there's like uh in this uh xenology book uh art book they were talking about dissecting a tau and they talked about this little uh pheromone organ that is in their forehead or whatever and maybe that has something to do with the psychic control or it, to do with the control where it's pheromonal control of the other races and stuff. Um, yeah. And sometimes other people think they're actually just full on psychers that just don't tell anyone else that they're psychers. See, I've seen a number of theories. A lot of them aren't very good. Some of them are really interesting though. And one of them is that all the ethereals are like, kind of are like psychers, like the emperor or something or like perpetual psychers. Because apparently in some old lore, the ethereals don't die of old age or they're always they're said to be immortal. I don't know if you can confirm that, Mark, or not. Because, like, I honestly kind of want to ask you about this, like, probably a while ago, once you get your payment, I've never, like, had that, like, never, never pushed to actually ask it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever really heard of that. Um, like, I'm sure, you know, just like, the Imperium has rejuvenation treatments. The Imperium, I mean, the Tau Empire would stop at nothing to keep their ethereals alive, including giving them the best care, you know? Like, maybe all the ethereals have this nanobot technology that helps them stay alive. So I don't think it... I've never heard that they're, like, immortal, but they're definitely granted the benefit of the most exclusive tech to help keep them alive and going the longest. So I'm kind of, I guess, I'm at a loss as to why this is necessarily a negative for the Tau, unless it's because, like, the theories are that the theories we have about the Tau just don't mesh with, I guess, the overall theme of them. Like, I think, like, Mark, you just mentioned something like, what if the Ethereals are psychers? Well, then I think someone made the complaint that that kind of goes against, like, well, if they have a if they have a dim presence in the warp, why do they have powerful psychers like the Ethereals? Yeah, like. It's possible that the Ethereals, though, are psychers, uh, even though the Tau are primarily not psychers. Like, when you look at the caste system, each caste is very distinct in appearance, um, even to the point where if you look at the air caste members, they're so long and elongated, and their bones are actually hollow and stuff, and they have a hard time walking around in um, what would be the opposite of zero gravity. Like, any type of gravity that isn't zero gravity, they have a hard time moving in it because it's just they've evolved into this different thing so this thought that they could have a very distinct class that has evolved into psychics and you don't see psychers anywhere else because all the psychers are still just mating with each other um it's not the worst idea in my in my mind yeah um for me how would i view it i don't know i like the ethereals in concept because like I there's a whole thing with the with the ethereals being mind controlling people, like with the whole um like Farley feeling immense like guilt when uh he disobeyed orders and they just kinda like looked at him and he immediately just felt like so much dread. But mm. like if they have like psychic powers, I think it's very much like 
I don't think it's worth them being like considered powerful. If anything, it's probably like, like what's the most basic psyker the Imperium has? And like, I'm imagining like that's all they have is like all of them have like this yeah. very minor like influence where like they can almost like, um, like push on your emotions to like make them more extreme. Like, yeah. oh, we want you to be sad right now, so we're gonna make you feel sad, even though you like just got a puppy for Christmas or something. <laughs> and now suddenly it's like, oh, well, this is a puppy, but I wanted a cat or something like kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, here's the thing about psychers is like there are many different types of psychers. And if you're a psyker, doesn't mean you can cast lightning bolts. Um, like you might only specialize in tele- telepathy, you know. Um, so maybe these the ethereals only have this one specific type of psych psychic ability where yeah they they don't actually have the ability to do uh biomancy or pyromancy or telekinesis or any of that kind of stuff they just have the telepathy interesting i wouldn't mind that honestly and it could be like they have a very safe way of using it too because like like to make people special by being like oh this guy's immune to the power of the warp because he's just that special yeah (laughs) yeah but i think i think it I think it ties back to that whole thing too. Like we mentioned, like they just didn't really think about the warp that way. So I guess to the ethereals, it's just like a, they have, they have this ability and they've had plenty of time to study it. So it's just another, another science to them. Yeah. Essentially. And like there's a very big difference between opening up a, like a warp portal and summoning lightning or fucking fire and just like, you know, tapping into the actual, like energies of the warp and manifesting them there's a very big difference between that and just kind of being able to shoot your thoughts into somebody nearby yeah and it wouldn't even be shooting thoughts it would be even like less than that it'd be like oh feel sad and i'm just like oh i'm sad now like it could be like such on such a small and controlled scale that like the ethereals don't even realize that they're psychers hey yeah that's possible too yeah yeah, that'd be pretty well, and to, dark, and to actually. This, and to this, I also w- want to ask: like, obviously, there's a lot of psycho, psycho indoctrination involved too with the Tao, especially for the greater good, because the greater good is great and is good. How much <laughs> of that is just the effects of that psycho indoctrination versus the versus the ethereals just subtly manipulating your, uh, you know, your emotions or your feelings? Yeah. And then if you put those two in combination, yeah, exactly. Then like, yeah, yeah. Then it then you really don't need to be a powerful psyker at all because you've already done the heavy lifting by indoctrinating them. Yeah, yeah. It gives me um. I don't know if you guys have played Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag, but they make a point. Good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Um. They play with um Blackbeard in that uh video game where he isn't like oh this well he is a murderous pirate. But they, but um, he himself is like, uh, what's the word? He's like, a, he's 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 got a flair for the theatrics. Like he'll, he'll he'll he does the thing with fire in his hair or whatever to make like his hair's on fire, and he points out like, yeah, I'm just doing this to make people more scared of me. It's more just like, it's me putting on a show more than me actually being this demon of like the seven yeah. seas or something. Parlor the ethereals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ethereals being the same thing where it's like, oh. They, they they think that we have all this knowledge, but all we do is say random shit and they believe us. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. 
Yeah. Um, ethereals, love them, hate them. I don't know. Like to me, that's just like, I, so far, I don't think these complaints have been noteworthy. I feel like these are just like, well, that's like saying, well, I don't like the orcs are melee focus. It's like, well, come on, come on, get real here. Yeah. But yeah. this next think- complaint is truly, truly my deepest hatred about the Tau. And it's you <laughs> and their stellar math abilities when it comes to not only Tau lifespans, but also Tau traveling space distances or, you know, we've talked on Lorehammer Main many times where it's like, how are they doing anything? How do they move from planet to planet when it takes them a hundred years to do anything? Like, the galaxy is huge. If you don't have light speed ability, you ain't going nowhere. Well, that's the funny thing, too. Like, in real life, light speed is slow. Slow! Our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. If you were just going at light speed, like, how, like, hmm. Yeah, the next galaxy over, I think it's I think it's 11 light years or something like that. I'm going to do a Google search. I mean, the next oh, solar system. Yeah, um, Alpha, Alpha Centauri? Yeah. Yeah, up uh, four, four and a half light years, something like that. Is that what it is? I think um, so. The closest one is 10.5 light years away. So the Tau oh, don't wow. even have light speed ability. So like how are they doing anything like they can't how are they this super fast progressing race that you can't do nothing yeah i kind of agree with that although although the imperium isn't fast either like i've done some i've crunched some numbers just like at at work when i'm listening to like some of the audiobooks and they make a point to say that it takes where it can take several hours to get from Earth to Mars with just the regular spaceships. And doing the math, that's like barely scratching like 3% the speed of light. Hmm. Like barely scratching it. So like yeah, I the suppose fact because that the like, uh, like the, the sun's light takes like 8 minutes to get to us or something like that. So yeah. Taking, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But, so you like, know. Oh, it was, it was just the thing where it's like, oh, well. When I put into perspective, like, well, the Imperium has like slow ships, but they use the warp travel to like surf- circumnavigate their ships being slow. I see the Tau is the opposite, where they have no warp travel, but they can like almost break the speed of light, which is great, but it's still not that fast. Yeah, interesting. So like, they would be very good in the st- in one solar system because they can react so quickly in that solar system. Um, but then, yeah, to go over that's where they kind of then struggle that that's an interesting yeah. kind of thought yeah um tgw's credit though anytime i've looked at any codex that has a picture of the galaxy map and the towel that's why they're just restricted to that like one little bubble yeah like right there near what's sec- that what segmentum was this ultima yeah that 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 they're just restricted to that one little bubble because of just ha- their restriction on how fast they can go or travel yeah yeah, and like with this travel comes all types of like fuckery when it comes to Tau lifespans. Like we have these Tau that somehow Shadow Sun is in every battle on multiple planets. And it's just like, okay, so how is she getting everywhere, first of all, when it's going to take her 100 years to go anywhere? And then also, how is she alive that long? Now she's like this like three, 400 year old character that just spends all her life traveling from planet to planet. 
I um I actually have a an answer to the second one, but not the speed one. Because I'm gonna be honest, I was told I was totally okay with like her just showing up in battlefields until I remembered, oh yeah, if I'm gonna do the math for how slow the Imperium is, I should probably do the math for the fact that the Tau shouldn't be able to react to conflicts as fast. But um <laughs> in Farsight's first book, Crisis of Faith. Uh, they make a point to say that, like, Farsight, Shao Sun, and what is the other one? Uh, but anyway, there, there's three students, right, and they're all, like, all really... Things. Yeah. They're all, like, really good, like, warriors or whatever. They're all students of Pure Tide. And because of how skilled they are, they the Tao, start, the Ethereals decide that because of how valuable they are as individuals, that they can't expend... They can't allow all three of them to live at the same time, basically. Yeah. So they... They cryo free Shadow Sun. Um, the third guy runs off or something. I don't, I don't know. He goes and does something, <laughs> and then they let Farsight basically be active because uh, they need to have at least one of Puritite students around at all time. And then they just keep um, when they need her, they they unfreeze her and then send her to the battlefield and freeze her back up again when it's done, which yeah. I can excuse. But like, yeah, yeah, like that's kind of like the freezing isn't like the most extreme technology or out there out, outlandish yeah yeah that's kind of like the hate the thing they do in halo is like slip space jumps which is faster than light but it's still the galaxy is still huge so anytime the covenant or the unsc have to go into slip space most the vast majority of them just go into cryo sleep until it's time to wake up oh yeah i've played halo one i i remember waking up for the first time ready for ready for action <laughs> 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 I have different memories of of playing Halo One. <laughs> run, Rayway, run! Go save him. It's your fault. He's dead. He's dead because of you. All right, I'm gonna put my controller down and go home. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you traumatized child. Uh, but yeah, like I that one definitely that. is a huge complaint on my end. Just like. They they just so insignificant and like they just can't do anything really when you think about it. Yeah, I honestly agree with that. Is that their their space travel is fast, but it's like really slow. <laughs> yeah, Im- impossibly slow. It also raises the question: like, how did they even like expand? Because like. Let's say they only travel one percent of the speed of light. They go to the next the nexus mode. Let's say it's only one light year away. Okay, so now it takes them a hundred years to get there. Okay, well they find the next solar system over. That's great, but by the time they get back, that's two hundred years travel time just to go from one system to the next system back. Yeah, that's like so yeah. fucking long. And what happens if they go back and like all of Talva has been nuked? It says nuked yeah. itself. It, like it's so long, especially since you consider the Tau have only been like a spacefaring race for like, what is it like a not even a thousand years type thing. So, yeah, yeah, they, they definitely it's, need wow. to they need to do something about that for sure. But no, yeah. I think they're so, I think they're multi thousand. I think they're like three thousand years now. Actually, I think I know that's how first... long they have been around for like that's when they were discovered but i don't think they've been actually a spacefaring race for more than a thousand ah okay like i think yeah, first no... contact was like three thousand years ago but 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 then they were still like a tribal planet you know ah okay mm-hmm. yeah 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 because i know like the first first sphere lasts like a thousand years and i'm just like wow you can't go how like, much of this worlds. is 
<laughs> how much of this is actually like a towel problem versus GW just can't math? Yeah. They're you know, that's actually a better point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, are we going to blame GW for being bad at math when it comes to stellar bodies when, like, realistically, we can't even begin to comprehend space travel? Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. They need, they need astrophysicists on board. So, excuse, so explain to me, how can the Tau travel faster than light? That's scientifically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Okay, but let's say there was a space dimension full of demons from hell. <laughs> and then now how fast? <laughs> yes. Then how fast do they travel? They pass through this dimension. <laughs> and the astrophysicist is like, Are you fucking high? <laughs> well, yeah, but come on. But no, but yeah. <laughs> you just you just see a GW employee just just snorting a line. No, why? <laughs> that warp dust it'll get you <laughs> um the the next one that was written down is vague dynamics between each cast who likes who how do they interact um yeah this one like they don't. <laughs> they, 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 yeah essentially they don't really interact like unless you are like a higher up in like the command structure, you know, like you're a general or something like that. There's no need to negotiate to ever talk to an aircast warrior. And even then you're only talking to the aircast general, you know? Yes. And then the aircast don't have generals. They have like your ferry, they're your transportation. (laughs) (laughs) The town taxi service. Who likes who? Yeah. The like, even though they might not, talk or like intermingle very much like they all still like each other all still for the greater good like a fire warrior will still sacrifice himself for the earth cast warrior and the earth cast warrior is still gonna feed the fire warrior even if he's not <laughs> being protected or would yep. they i mean dun, dun, dun. i don't i think the tower pretty neutral to every other faction if not our, or rather every single cast if not like wholly like not subservient but like um on mutually beneficial terms, so it's kind of just like, I mean, I'm not friends with you, but like, we're part of the same government. Yeah. <laughs> we may as well work together. Yeah, I'm guessing this complaint came out of like some of the earlier writings where it was more vague. I yeah. spitballing maybe. Yeah. Um, wasn't wasn't it possible to intermarry between casts, Mark? No, no, no. Remember that? that? No. Okay. That's illegal. That's a great okay, way to get yourself banished from the empire if you go after that air cast booty. <laughs> I they sure can't even I walk someone's... on a gravity planet. You're gonna destroy them. <laughs> Earthcast, please stop. Earthcast, please. Are too brittle. <laughs> but consider, but consider Al- Alva. She has wings. Oh man, fuck. Yeah. So do the Jakari, but we don't even see us chasing them. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. Um, oh, let's move to the next one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no smut. No smut. <laughs> uh, too good for the setting compared to the rest of the factions. I think we kind of touched on some of the ways that they are grim dark and some of the ways GW is kind of pushing them a little more in that grim dark direction while still keeping them pure. Yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, but like, oh, go ahead, Joel. You go, you talk. I talk too much. <laughs> Rayway, right the Elmar that doesn't know when to shut up. 
kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Love, love you, Ray. Love you, Ray. But um, um, yeah, I think this was just another complaint from like the older Tal lore where they were just more too good guy ish. But sure. again, like what Mark was just pointing out, this was just you know they're they're, they're actively fixing this, which yeah. I guess which you know doesn't seem really much like a complaint anymore. But that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. For all top of that, it's kind of just like that's kind of their thing to be the like to be the good guy. And how is that? How does that not suit the grim darkness of just like there's just one speck of light that is almost like innocently left alone, while everything around it is like just a dark mass of just decay that is slowly creeping into this light of innocence, and it's just like oh, oh no. That's terrifying <laughs> to think that we are the good guys and everything around us is awful, horrible. Oh my god. Why are all these aliens trying to kill us? My brother in the greater good. We have killed all the nice ones. <laughs> <laughs> we have either indoctrinated or killed all the nice ones. <laughs> why, are there no ta- why are there no alien forces that are equal in size to us? Oh, because uh, we killed all of them as well. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, we uh, just appropriated and annexed them, and now they're second-class citizens, as they should be for the greater good, you know. <laughs> uh, maybe that would be something they could little do a little more expanding on. Is like okay, like we know kind of how the caste systems relate to each other. Like it's always going to be positive. They're always going to do what they think is going to be best for the greater good. But that kind of dynamic between the Tau and their auxiliaries, um, like, are, how second class citizens are they really? You know, like that uh, that could be expanded on maybe in a couple examples of, you know, are they not getting access to healthcare, or like wh- what exactly is that? What exactly are they missing out on that the Tau have access to? Honestly, given the books, like nothing. <laughs> Like, there's actually an Imperial Inquisitor who joins the Greater Good. Heretical, I know. But she joins the yes. Greater Good, and they don't treat her any different. They just, they just, yeah, like, to my to my remembrance, there's nothing about her that strikes me as, oh, yeah, she's definitely a second-class citizen. No, it's literally yeah. just like, I'm just a member of the Tau race, and yeah. I, I serve under Farsight, but, like, you're, you serve under him not because you're a slave, but you serve under him because you're literally a, a co-worker. Yeah, and he's your boss. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I do have a question for Mark about about this stuff with the cast system. The okay, we mentioned that like other cast members just don't interact whatsoever. What about the auxiliary races? Are you just strict? Are you just strictly interacting with like the water cast because of the diplomats, or like the fire cast because you're fighting alongside them, or how does that work? Yeah, I know. think once again it comes to what that alien race is used for. Um, like we said, the crew are great examples of they're talking with fire warriors all the time. Of course, they intermix and relate with fire warriors, where there are other races that are highly psychic and then they are great at warp travel and they will deal with the air cast, you know. Um it's just yeah, I I I hope that kind of maybe answered it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it did for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would like to see a little more kind of interactions between them, though. Like, they're. I don't think it's a matter of being a second class. I think it's just a different class. Like, 
when you look at the fire warrior, when you look at the earth cast, who's better, who's worth, no, they're just different. They've, they serve different purposes. Um, so each auxiliary race has its own unique purpose. Like they ain't ever going to the crew for technological advancements. You know, they are soldiers that that's their role in the empire. They're, they're foot soldiers. Makes sense. Makes sense. What have, I actually like this one though, this next uh, discussion point, the uh, two homogenized stable uniform with the greater good. Cause it's a lot, it's different compared to the other ones we got in which were kind of surface level in my opinion, it seems anyway. Yeah. 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 This one, this one struck me as pretty interesting too, is because it seemed just like uh, so far, all the lore is just like, it's all about the greater good, all about uh, alien races coming together peacefully. Cause we're all equal. Everyone has a part in the greater good because the gr- the greater good is great and good, but <laughs> Just like with the Imperium, there's like a thousand different... It's an Imperium of a million worlds. There are different ways you can believe in the Emperor. What about the different ways you can believe in the greater good and what that what conflicts that may or may not cause? Hmm. Yes, yes. Honestly, yeah. I, I can't agree with that as well. I'm going to take it in the opposite direction. I think we're looking at this from a two-human-centric point of view. Just because humans are fucking barbarians that have no desire than to smash other humans with fucking rocks um, <laughs> doesn't mean that everything is like that. You know, let's look at ants for a second. You know, they all get along and work in unison. There is no different variation of anthood. They can get along. They can do that because they are a different species than humans. So I think when we shift it from the lens of humans, and realize that they are an alien race that are have developed completely separately than humans. You know, it, this whole homogenized thing I I can I can get. Like there are tons of tons of examples of um like in our real life world, different species that are so homogenized or whatever, where we would never be able to comprehend how they do it. Because we we are just yeah. different than them. Yeah, I mean, also has the point that they grew up on a different planet. They have different ecosystem, different biology. They're they're herbivores. If I'm if I'm not if I'm wrong, I don't I know. I see that. Yeah, yeah, I could see them primarily being herb- herbivores for sure. Because I remember they mentioned that they have nothing but like molars, so that would imply that they're just herbivores. So like you could see them as a very like communal, very not docile because they have fucking mechs, but you know. <laughs> They're they're very, <laughs> yeah. So like I could I could also see another that is an explanation as to why they're very homogenized. That they're meant to be a pack slash herd animal, so they're naturally going to be very communal driven. This is interesting. Back to the whole space camels. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Um, so I I just did a quick little Google search here, and it brought me to Sweet Reddit. Um, I'm gonna read kind of the the this out here. I'm seeing a lot of people say say they are but i swear that i read that montka and kion were based on hunting tactics and the name hunter cadre would also be quite strange if they were never hunters any confirmation on their diets so the most liked response or whatever in kill team a group of humans get to eat tau dishes none of it has meat and then we'll read this little bit a growl in my stomach reminds me that i have not eaten yet today I walk over to the food and plank myself down onto the cushion. The nearest servitor plate appears to be carrying some kind of fruit, a garish yellow thing that smells sweet. 
I take a bite and the juice runs down my chin. It's like honey with a tang of something else I can't identify. The others stare at me, waiting to see if I keel over or go blue or something. I nod to them and point to the trays. Tastes pretty talking good, I tell them, picking up a star-shaped green thing and giving it a nibble. It's smoky with a bitter aftertaste of hot calf or uh, chocolate. There's some dishes of blue-colored rice. The only utensils provided for eating are some spindly paddles that appear to appear to be no use at all, as far as I can tell. So I use my fingers instead. Um, this is pretty long, but you kind of get the point where, yeah, no, it appears that they are herbivores for sure. Um, which, all, yeah, would make it also, like you said, like, you know, more homogenous where hunters will be more aggressive, where herbivores are pack animals. They look after each other. They're, yeah, interesting. I could also see their hunting, like their hunter cadres as like almost a defensive hunt, like almost like retaliatory hunt or like a preemptive like strike against potential enemies like oh we're we're a herd animal but we suspect that there's enemies over here well members of our tribe our communal tribe will go out to kill it they won't eat it they'll just kill it and they'll come back to us because it's better to kill the enemy before it kills us because we're herd animals hey that's what the creeps for the eating <laughs> so i don't i don't you have a problem with them being too homogenized, stable, uniform, the greater good. No. Plus, they're such a small empire relative to the Imperium, and they have so much political indoctrination, and the the potential ethereals being mind controllers. That like I can I can I can almost like accept that. Like even if we put it just to human standards, if we just view it as oh, there's like a hundred planets, all of them have the same government, and you're just bombarded with propaganda like twenty four seven. All the time, yeah. I I can kind of accept it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's a big big deal at all. Um, I think yeah. that's kind of their jam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be honest, man, some of these are just like I don't. These I don't, seem very I, surface level, like so surface level. Yeah, like from somebody who has a very basic grasp of Tau lore, where it's like, yeah. So the next one on here is god awful in melee on tabletop it's like well yeah that's that's the point like they 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 were trying to make a ranged army like that's i don't know that to me that's not a great i don't even think we need to talk about it further like well not that but battle suits can do melee <laughs> yeah just yeah like that's just like somebody's personal preference and not like this is an actual like problem plot point hole that could be dealt with in the towel he says, yes. Outnumbered and outgunned in lore. Too small to make a difference on a galactic scale. Is Yeah. Now that one hits home. That's good. an interesting like, one. Yeah. Like, what is the point of Tau? They are a minor Xenos race. That's how they should be categorized. Like, they are not on the galactic scale. In fact, there are no Tau anywhere in the galaxy except for this small little zone. And I always hated that because... Why would I ever need to fight fucking space wolves when their planet's all the way over there? Or, you know, whatever faction you want to insert. Definitely yeah. a big group of mine. They need to be a galactic player. Otherwise, they need to be downgraded fully to a minor Xenos race, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, they make big... money, so they're going to do something. 
Yeah, that makes me think back to uh, Lorehammer's episode on like all the minor Xenos. And then I think you ended up talking about the Tau not too long afterwards, which is just like, how come the, why did the Tau get to be such a big player as like a main playable faction when in the grand scheme of things, they are like yeah. minuscule? Like, yeah, I could probably name half a dozen races off the top of my head who are galactic players and who have a bigger impact on the galaxy, you know? I think one of my favorite Minor Xenos races, yeah, the Exodites. Um, I think mm. one of my favorite is the Rack Ghoul. Uh, they're fucking mm. tight. I've heard of them. I don't think I've seen, or I don't think I've, I know too much about those ones. Don't worry, pick incoming for you. Ooh, <laughs> are they gross? Yeah, they're cool, man. They're like, uh, what makes them super unique is uh, as they get older, they like to surgically enhance themselves with bionics. So the older they are, the more bionics they get. And they get to a point where they might not even look like the original Rack Ghoul form anymore because they're just like so augmented. That's mm. actually really fucking cool. Oh, I've Ooh. seen these things. I've seen okay. these things. Yeah, okay. fucking Rack Ghoul are so cool. Like, that's a galactic player. They they're they're almost like Predator, where um their sole purpose is going and hunting the biggest, most dangerous prey. And uh they form the like these hunting packs and stuff and all that kind of goodie. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, that's the problem is there's no market to capitalize on. <laughs> that's fucking cool um, i'm the market if they release these minis man i will in i will spend my infinite warhammer budget on them i am the market <laughs> i'll make it worthwhile for them yes looks at the entirety of gd's uh model range uh, yes one of everything please yeah exactly <laughs> wait Hang no on, watch them fucking get the towel <laughs> watch them join the towel <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, these guys are a little too aggressive for the towel, but um, the the last uh, little point we had here, I do like that that last one. That one was a good one. Outgunned and out outnumbered, and just too small. Small. Um, the last one, expensive for points and money. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Um, I don't. Oh know. no! Oh no! Something that's not related to their story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which brings us. I figured it would just our final oh, little bit here and that's how do we make them better like some of these gripes were whatever but there are some that are huge problems yeah i i figured when i was asking this question too it'd be nice to uh i mean get lower top sides and downsides but also tabletop stuff because i mean there sure. are there are balance issues in the game uh, sorry you know but so they're each you know, Tal's going to have their issues with the game, uh, Melee being the big complaint from everybody, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't think that's, why you, that's not why you play Tal, though, is for Melee. Don't be like... Like, if you if you buy a Tal and you're like, I'm going to spec into Melee, <laughs> then that that's on you, bro. Get that's, good. Yeah, get better. That's like trying to do an orc <laughs> shooting army. Yeah, sure, it's going to be fucking fun, but is it going to work? <laughs> Are you going to hit anything... <laughs> Let's play a game of pick the meta chasers who made these comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, every, so far I'm getting a lot of them. So I mean, <laughs> but so it doesn't uh, seem like there's really that much that needs to be fixed because of these complaints just seem very surface level or just 
complain for the sake of complaining. Yeah, or or it's just like, well, this isn't my flavor, so I don't like it. Where it's like, well, just because you doesn't you don't like it doesn't mean it's not good, valid. But yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean it's not valid just because you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, I mean, we need so much more nowadays. <laughs> I think I'm gonna skip through some of these because we kind of mentioned a lot. Like, ease up on mechs and battle suits so you don't become the primary lieutenant problem. Like, yeah, okay, so you take away what makes Tau unique. Go fuck yourself. Expand more on the relationship between the Tau and species and their auxiliaries besides crew. Absolutely. They need to do that. We need a Tau auxiliary codex and we need to see how not only do Tau relate to other auxiliaries, how do auxiliaries relate to auxiliaries? That would be interesting. Yeah, how do they like how does a crew relate to a Vespid? Like how like do they even relate? Is there a yeah communication barrier? Like when a when a Vespid sees a crew eating him, does he like talk to his like local Tau? representative and it's just like hey i don't like that that guy just ate jimmy like jimmy was my home (laughs) (laughs) yeah i see we need to know the conclusion of that story gw please let us know stop playing space marine war for five minutes and focus on another alien faction auxiliaries here you go gold mine yeah Think of all the think of all the copying you could do from ancient cultures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's so many to choose from. <laughs> um, more Guvesa dynamic stories about the Imperium worlds defecting. Sure, just more. We need more auxiliary stuff. Uh, make them more antagonistic and supremacist, like the Imperium or Bealtan. Like Man. they kind of are. Like if you don't abide by the greater good. There's only one more option for you, and that is genocide. So it's pretty antagonist. And supremacist, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we've kind of established they yeah. are. Um more Xenos for auxiliary minis, sure. Different perspectives on the greater good, Tau schism, other than Farsight. <sighs> what do we think? We we kind of talked about that homogenization. Would we like to see the Tau break up a little more or are, are we happy with the way they are? Is the whole concept of them that they are a united race? I'll let you um, talk because I, I have a point to make afterwards. Sure. Okay. I I think just Tau breaking away, or sorry, just Farsight breaking away from the Tau Empire is fine at this point because, like, what we like the point that we made before, they are so small of a galactic player. Like, it's not even funny. So it's just like if this is like the this could feasibly be like the first time that like someone major has broken from the empire. So it could, it, it could lead to other schisms down the road, but I think for our purposes now, for our purposes as of right now in in 42 or whatever the hell year it is, like, I don't know, maybe just leaving it at far sight breaking off is, is, is fine for right for, for right now. It would be interesting to see, like, what would it look like for an air cast to defect? Um, like, what I kind of am picturing, like, this Tau pirate air cast fleet, where, yeah, like, they've defected and they've even broke away from the cast system. That would maybe be the only direction you could take it, where they break away and break away from the cast systems, where now you got air cast who are rocking pulse rifles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Um, so to go over uh, this potential like schism that we were talking about, they they actually are kind of going through that in the most recent um, Shadow Sun book or in the Shadow Sun book because you know Xenos race is getting a a book is impressive enough, but a female Xenos race. Ooh, oh my goodness! Gasp. <laughs> but um, the concept is like I said, I mentioned before. It goes over the idea of um. Tau, the Tau Va goddess, or whatever the the greater good goddess that's protecting the Tau, and um, in this like in this story, that the the goddess is actually protecting the Tau from the Death Guard, a Nurgle, and it's actually starting to get worship and pick up worshippers from a lot of the um, auxiliary races, and even some of the higher ranking um, Tau officers, including uh, Shadow Sun herself, with the book ending, roughly ending with her actually actively praying to the goddess. And she makes a point to note that if the, if the whole found out that they were worshiping like a God of the greater good, that that would just be not okay. So they're hinting at the idea of like potentially like, <laughs> I guess black Templar esque, uh, um, uh, Tau forces in that they're these really zealous, um, individuals who are trying to fight chaos mm-hmm. because yeah apparently the Tau the Tau goddess of good or whatever she is really doesn't like chaos and actually is like permanently perpetually torturing the death guard <laughs> which I find hilarious the image of like this benevolent god of light and then she's like torturing the sadistic plague rotting the corp uh, deca- uh decaying corpses Ah, uh, yes, I believe in good things. I believe in the greater good. Everyone <laughs> should be safe. Butcher's a bunch of plague marines. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even now. They don't count. Um, yeah, that is interesting. So instead of an ideological schism, which is what Farsight is, it's a religious schism. Yes. So they're, when, they're playing with that. I'm not sure I'm feeling about it. When I first heard of this four-armed god, I was super pissed about it because of, as we mentioned, like, how did the Tao create a god? They don't have a psychic presence enough to do that. It took the entire Eldar race murder-fucking each other for thousands of years to create a god. Um, How did the Tao do it? But it sounds like this entity already existed and is helping the Tao, not that the Tao created it, and they are just kind of... Yeah, they've now chosen this already existing entity to worship. Well, it's yeah, kind of like that. Uh, it's kind of like the comp point that we made when you were doing a live stream on Instagram. Like, uh, uh, I think I asked you the question of like, what about the possibility of like other warp entities that aren't just corn, Zinch, Slanesh, Nurgle, mm-hmm. that sort of thing? Yeah, and like the warp has all types of entities. There are formless shapes in the warp that don't have an ability to manifest there are furies um which are like fuck i forget what they are but there are all types of different things like there's malice who's a chaos god there's you know even the emperor's rumored to be creating some type of chaos god you need is a chaos entity that is now forming like there are so many different varieties of chaos entities that don't just come from the big four chaos gods yeah yes yes no. See, I I seen a, I seen another theory about how it was made that I don't like, but I figured I'd mention it because I may as well mention it if I've seen it. But mm-hmm. the theory is 
the Talva goddess is a combination of how the Tau view themselves and how the rest of the galaxy views themselves. Because, like, whether you like whether you like it or not, every thought or belief you have manifests in the warp as like a bit of energy or as a ripple. Mm-hmm. And so, the theory basically is like, oh, because the Tau are making such big waves despite their small size, all the waves are like localizing on themselves to make this god. Which again, I'm not sure I feel about it. I kind of don't like that theory, but it would kind of it would be a good GW cop out to be like, oh yes, there we go. <laughs> it was made from good thoughts. Just have good <laughs> thoughts, everybody. <laughs> I wouldn't get it past GW to do that. <laughs> yeah, that that definitely helps a little bit get around that lack of a uh, psychic ability, um, a little bit. But like, here's the thing, like. Does anyone really even know or give a fuck about the Tau? They're like I said, they're a minor race. Does that mean that the Rack Ghoul, who have a way more terrifying effect on the Imperium, does that mean that they're gonna manifest some Rack Ghoul god for them? Like it just we don't see examples of this. And the Tau are just so minor that even if a couple humans are focused on it, it still wouldn't matter. Yeah, it wouldn't be worth it. And I think that, and I think that too, kind of overplays the the power of belief. Where it's like you said about the Eldar, it took all of them to create Slanesh. Mm-hmm. And like the orcs have their own power of belief that you know can affect reality to a very limited extent. So it's just like, yeah, how how, how many how many ways can you just cop out by saying, oh, the power of their belief, collective belief, created this chaos entity that just yeah. you know. Yeah, so in my advice, they definitely got to get away from whatever that story arc is. Like, I don't actually want to see a greater good god. Now, if it was just some warp entity that's fucking around with the Tau, sure, I get that. But as soon as you start actually tying them together, it's just, it's not good. That would actually be a lot more fun if they were just being screwed around by a random entity making them think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to make one more point about this god. Actually, I've seen I've seen this in a YouTube video by Chrono the Harlequin. He's a good good videos. I love his videos, but he mentions um the idea of good chaos gods or like the existence of anti chaos gods, and the idea comes from the fact that um a lot of forty k borrows. I say borrows. I'm straight up copies from the Elric of Melibene series. And in that series, there are chaos gods that use the eight-pointed star of chaos and have very strong similarities to Korns, each Nurgle, and Sunesh, and a bunch of other ones that are right on top of that. But they also have um, gods of order who um, are a lot weaker and are smaller in number to the chaos gods. And the idea is there's one of authority or lawship or something. And basically the whole video theory goes over that, um, like, He's basically he's basically taking the gods from that series that 40k copies basically one for one and tries to place characters or gods that do exist over top. So the emperor would be like the chief god of authority or something. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's it's an interesting theory if you just want to like sit down, turn your brain off a little bit and like see the possibilities, but like it's not something I, I personally agree with. I just thought I'd mention it. I like it, man. Like, I there's other entities. Like, when we look at the Eldar Pantheon, um, 
We don't know exactly what they are, but most likely they are some type of warp entity. They're not just old Eldar. They're some type of warp entity. Like Isha is the gar god of healing, and uh, Morieg Morahag is the goddess of fate and souls. Uh, Lilith the Maiden is the goddess of dreams and fortune. Like These aren't bad things, but they are still warp entities. Um, so, yeah, no, I... I I kind of like it. Like if, if your affections manifest in the warp, we all know anger burns the hottest emotion, you know, where it just takes way more of the positive emotions to actually manifest anything meaningful, but it's still there. They're still kind of got their forms and their shapes. They just aren't, they just don't have the same amount of uh, power available to them. Yeah. Well, and I see a comparison where it's like, why are there no good warp entities? And someone said, ah, well, imagine the imagine the warp like an ocean full of piranhas and gray white sharks and megalodons and all sorts of other apex predators. Those are your negative emotions, okay? Yeah. Now, a positive emotion is like throwing a little tuna fish in there. What do you think is going to happen to it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah, any type of good god that's starting to manifest is just going to get devoured and destroyed by the other ones pretty quick. Yeah. Interesting. So, like, yeah, I can kind of, that might be the excuse that they use, like, because the, the Tau has such a small psychic presence that, like, the chaos gods don't notice that there's a god building power there. <laughs> that could be, that. I'm, I'm like, 90% sure that's what they're going to say. And I feel bad because that's probably what they are going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about religion. <laughs> heresy! <laughs> Speaking of heresy, I think some folks made a couple of suggestions about playing up the dynamics between the different casts. Someone even suggested blending, which which um, we're establishing now that doesn't happen. Um, there's no in, no intermingling to my understanding, so. Mm. But yeah, like this um, could be another interesting schism where it's like, yeah, they they do away with the caste system because even Farsight uses the caste system still for the most part. Like mm -hmm. he has he has an Earth caste pilot who's become a fire warrior, an honorary fire warrior, but it's still like he's still an Earth caste member first, like. Mm -hmm. hmm. And uh, to go along the same point, it's just like maybe have some more antagonism between different casts, like a fire, like a fire warrior that thinks he's all that, you know, bullies like a water cast or an air cast because, oh, they're so frail and uh, and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, and then they, and then the same person actually broke down uh, like different ways you can make each cast a little more grimdark. Sure. So. <laughs> Uh, the fire cast more fanatical, like the Imperium. Uh, yeah, sure. The Earth cast tech heresy and horrifically, horrifically unethical experimentations, like the Admech or Votan. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, for sure. The water cast manipulation, scheming, underhandedness, like Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Sure. I think they kind of uh, already do that, though. Like, you know, with. Kind of, but not really. But not like on a cast to cast level. That's more like a uh the tau to a non ally race. You know they're trying yeah. to do okay. that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the air cast value their craft above their own lives. 
Um, yeah. Like to me, these are just like, okay, so you're, you're asking for a rewrite of what Tao are completely at the core of who they are. Their whole story is they were a warring faction for who knows how long and they could never progress until the ethereals came and united them. That's what gave them the benefit. And as we were talking, like we came up with a lot of good reasons why having a united race like that isn't that unbelievable. They're herbivores. So why would they need to fight each other? They're not mm -hmm. fighting over. They're not aggressive like that. They're aliens. They're not humans. They don't have the same desires and motivations as us. Like their whole point is that they are a united race that is basically having to stand up against the entire galaxy. That that is them at the core. And they are alien, not and just elves alien. and elves or dwarves in space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I personally don't want to go down that route of like, yeah. Uh, conflict between the casts and stuff or like, it just, it, it's too far away from what they actually are. Um, what draws people to them. Yeah. It, it would be a rewrite of what they are essentially. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this one's more of a tabletop suggestion, but like rules for unique Tau Seps or Cadres, like how you have different Eldar craft worlds or work clans that have their own rules, which yeah. you can probably uh, attest to this more as a as the tabletop player. Yeah, depending on the edition, they definitely have that. Like in seventh and eighth edition, um, maybe just eighth edition. No, I'm pretty sure in seventh as well. There there are different steps that you can play, and obviously you can play the the Farsight step as well. Um but I I don't know where they're at in ninth edition, tenth edition. I don't know where they're at with uh, rules for different steps. Steps in tenth edition is just Farsight's Enclave, basically as a base rule. Um, I liked how ninth did it though, where it was a Seps, but I preferred the make your own Sept rules, mm. which were there were five quadrants or five like sectors, and then like you get um if you pick like A, B, C, or D or whatever. You can pick like from a list of rules between um from list A and then every and you can choose a second um ability from any one of the sectors that it um connects to and because A connects to all four, oh. it had the it had the most diversity, so you could pick the most amount of options. But you but the but the trade-off was that A was the first one, so it was the most like basic and it was the most like safe slash weakest option. So you can have yeah. a really strong ability and a basic ability, and that's what I love. Whereas, like, it could be like, oh, I'm I'm from sector B, and I'm gonna use sector D's abilities because they're just super fucking strong. That is really cool how they kind of organized that and laid that out, both in terms of like rules, but just in like the theme and kind of lore reason so, behind it. Very cool. So it sounds yeah. like this is kind of already in play so like uh, like i said i haven't played 10th edition so like it isn't necessarily but yeah i'll, I'll send you a picture of what the layout look like it'll take me just a Please. second though yeah 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 and then the other and then i guess the other major one was uh more stories about auxiliaries rebelling against the greater good like you hear a bunch of stories about you know, of uh, like humanity, the Guavesa, leaving the Imperium to join the Greater Good. But what about you know the reverse? Sure, yeah, yeah. About Guavesa fighting for their own freedom. Yeah. There you go. I posted it. 
Okay. Huh. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Like, if you were Sector B, you could only get abilities from Sector B, C, and A. Or your first ability always had to be from Sector B, but you get your second ability from C or A. And, you know, yeah. I thought it was, a really, it was a really fun concept because it was like, oh, I could play Farsight, but I don't want to play Farsight. I want to make my own special Tau who are on the border between B and C who specialize in, like, long-range firepower and really tough armor. So I'm going to use those two abilities. Yeah. Cool. That's super cool. I love that. Yeah. Um the the final thing we have on here is confirmation buyers. Again, haters gonna hate. Um just like with the space wolves, some folks you just can't change their opinion no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Although I mean Yeah. Go ahead and say it, Rayway. Go ahead and well, say Well no, it. it's it's more just like I don't know. People like you can hate something, but like when the points are naive weeboo communist and they're bad at melee, <laughs> it's kind of just like, I mean, yes, but th- like just because you're right doesn't mean you're correct. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, I, I think if, you know, we, we could sum up the episode, I think there are a couple of things we could all agree on that needs to happen with the Tau. The first one they need to become a galactic player. They have ac- mm-hmm. access to the Nikasar, who is known for being one of the best spacefaring races in the galaxy, who have warp travel. Why the fuck are we not using them? Where are they? Why do mm-hmm. why? Why are they so limited? It just it, there's no point to the Tau, they're a minor race. That needs to change. They need to have warp access. Yep. To the Tau's credit, though, they are very good at punching well above their weight class, which I think was a comment made by what was the YouTuber Pan- Pancreas Network. Like, yeah, he's they're v- they're very good at punching above their weight class. Like, they can somewhat hold themselves against like the Imperium, against Tyranids, Orcs, Drakari, or whatever. But just like you said, they're still minor enough that like if they all decide to converge on the Tau, then they're done. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next big thing well. I think that needs to happen with them is stay away from fucking warp shenanigans. Like that greater good God that's happening. We'll see where that goes, but that cannot happen. That's just, what are you up to? I just don't get that one. The Tau have no presence in the warp. Just fucking leave it be that way. We don't, that's what makes them special. That's what makes them unique. That's like another one of these rewrites where it's like, okay, so you just want to rewrite, rewrite what Tau are then and not like, you, you know, want to make them more imperial. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. just not yeah. every alien race needs to be worshiping some type of god. Like what is cool uh, about the Tao is they focus and they live by their ideology, not by religious zealotry. And and like along the warp comment, this is just me personally, but GW, you stop you can stop connecting chaos to every little thing. Yeah, you had you 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 didn't do that with the Necrons. So why does why do the why do the Tau have to be involved in warp shenanigans and chaos yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Well, if anything, the Tau should have Katan shards since the Katan are actually physical beings in the universe, whereas <laughs> the Chaos Gods don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that 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 makes sense. I could I could feasibly see that. 
Yeah. I wouldn't like it, but I could see them using Catan shards over gods first before anything else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, like, however they, they do it, even if they come up with like technology that is faster than light and doesn't use the warp or whatever, like whatever way they come about doing it, they it has there has to be something that happens. So mm -hmm. um I think the final thing that I think personally is just the whole auxiliary things needs to be expanded and pushed upon. Once again, what makes the Tau unique is that they are one of the few races that actually work alongside other races, and yet we don't see that. And actually, Adeptus Ridiculous released a uh, released an episode about the auxiliaries, and even Bricky was saying, like, yeah, you got stuff on the crew, you got stuff on the Vespid, but then there's like maybe 10 or 15 other races that have like all of one sentence and no yeah. artwork to corroborate any of that. So it's just like, why do you go, why you go, you put the work in like putting all these races down, but then don't expand upon that too. Like, yeah, give me like 20 bucks and I will expand every single one by at least 10 pages. Fuck. I think Hashtag we just did it Black free, Library. Like, give me a Phoenix sword now and we'll call it even. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are my three big gripes with them. Um, other than for that, like, I don't think they need much more. I think they're pretty solid. Like, do I want to know about the ethereals and how they control? No, I like a little mystery. I don't think I need to know anything. I like the little speculation of it all. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? It seems like a lot of these, it seems like a lot of these complaints are just from older lore where you where the, I guess these problems were a little bit more inherent, but now that we're seeing that the steps are being taken to fix it, but I think just some folks are, some folks are just still looking to argue. That's, that's my take from getting all, gathering all these notes and whatnot. And then just us discussing over how long we've been at this, what, two, two and a half hours. God damn. Probably <laughs> getting close to it. We're bringing yeah. Lorehammer back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Now Lorehammer episode of that shit joke. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rayway, any other thoughts on this? Um, well, I have several points that they could improve their race, which is hey, those nanobots, you know, maybe give them to everybody. That's a good point. Don't come out, of, don't come out with technology that is like world breaking levels. Like the nanobots are world breaking level of technology. Yeah, like that should be standard for every single town to have. Like every single member yeah. of the race should have those nanobots. Like, you yeah. could, or what is those those pure tide chips that basically like lobotomize you when they're taken out? But when you have them, they make you into like, sh like Sun Tzu level like tactician and like, yeah, like yeah, like oh no, yeah. we're like we don't use them because they lobotomize our people. Okay, have you tried using criminals, convicts, soldiers that <laughs> defect? You know, even willing people, man. There would be so many willing people. They're all indoctrinated. They would all be willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. They already do that with their life. Why not do it, but still be alive? Yeah, and be of better use than hey, here's yeah. how fireware. Charge that gun line with your pulse rifle that has space marines on it. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't charge the gun line, but they would still get wrecked either way. <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe on the lines of tech too. Like the AI can be a little extreme. Like there are battle suits that are fully AI, and if you can do that, like 
And they have all the drones and all this other AI tech. Like it almost makes Fire Warriors absolute obsolete. Why wait 15 years to get a soldier when you can make a battle suit in three months and put an AI processor in it and be done with it? Actually, that reminds me of something I've seen that some you know those 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 things you see online where it's like government researching this new technique or technology, but it was programmable muscle memory, and the mm-hmm. idea was like. Um, you can record the muscle memory of one individual and pass on to another person, kind of like Taskmaster from Marvel. So you could do something similar to that where it's like, you do something similar where it's like, oh, well, your standard Fire Warrior squad of 10, well, they're all just guys fresh out of like, like they've only had like three months of training, but their sergeant is like a veteran of 10 years. Well, they take his muscle memory and put it into the other nine. Now all of them are fighting at peak ability, even though only one of them had to go through the training. That is such a cool concept. That is really cool. Because yeah, because it would just and then it makes it makes the standard fire warrior like base troop more effective now because it just makes them go from like oh we're just standard soldiers to oh no all of us are now veterans proportional mm-hmm. to our age. Yeah, fucking cool. That's a cool thought awesome. process. That one. Yes, 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 yes. Or yeah, it's just um, different enough to where it doesn't just rip off like oh it's space marines but blue and alien yeah yeah Honestly, better than space marines. <laughs> yeah yeah and and it takes them away from like okay so they've gone the ai route where it's like well now you've just written away tau where no tau is still active um we yeah they're just yeah very cool i like that a lot yeah although one thing i did see or one thing that i seen that kind of added upon or thought or put more thought into rather was a space marine-esque theory or rather it's a superman it's like a super tau basically because the idea is like oh well all these four casts are just constantly interbreeding with themselves in a in almost like a darwin natural selection you would imagine that there would eventually be the best fire warrior there would be the best water water cast the best earth cast the best air cast mm-hmm. you could almost play with these almost like like the tower playing this almost like 36 degree board 3d chess game almost like the Bene Gesserit from Dune where they're like crossing bloodlines breeding all these unique Tau warriors together to try and create like to basically like increase the average of Tau fire warriors to like an even higher degree like oh 200 years ago the basic Tau could only run five miles well now these ones can run six next ones we expect within the next century to be seven and you just kind of yeah. You know, play with the play with the caste system and genetic by like lineage that they're kind of going with there. There's so many different avenues they could play with that I kind of agree with the limit the bow suits, but not fully. It's kind of just like don't just don't limit the bow suits, but like expand on everything. Yeah. 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 I do recall and it's the fuzziest fucking uh 40k lore there is one tau super soldier and uh he actually survives like an orbital bombardment somehow i (laughs) i i don't remember enough of it it's been so long since i read that so i can't even really clarify more of it interesting interesting future date yeah Actually, speaking of like the Halo reference and everything, um, what are you guys' thoughts on Tau Spartans 
because I've seen that go around where it's just like the Tau should have like their own super soldiers, but that instead of being biologically augmented, they're cybernetically augmented. And my first thought process was that's a Skatari. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. like, yeah, Skatari. And what makes what's to say that Firecast aren't already doing that? That we, no, you know, that we don't know of. Well, they're also trained from birth. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I just feel like, okay, so you reach a point of technology where you don't have to augment yourself anymore. It's just, it's more useful to just make battle suits and put people in battle suits. Like, you don't need to have mm-hmm. a super strong super soldier program when you have a battle suit. Or why even have pilots in the first place when you have drones? Yeah, exactly. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, now I think we're just going in circles. <laughs> we yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I'm hearing we are submitting to our AI overlords. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yes, for the greater good. For the greater good. For it is good and it is great. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yes, say yes. it, Lord Great Good. <laughs> um yeah cool well that's this episode um if you guys are still listening good on you my voice needs a little break now but that was fucking fun i uh had a great time dissecting this yeah what faction should we do next that is the question is it not um yeah reach out to us on discord do you have things about the towel you like dislike let us know what should be the next faction fix maybe we'll put it to a vote or we'll just do the first one somebody messages me. Hard to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, thanks for joining me. It was awesome. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I had fun. Uh, I had fun. Enjoy if you... <laughs> Nerding out, talking about 40K, all good stuff. Just the good stuff. Yeah. If you guys want to hear more of Ray Ray and Gerald, make sure you go check out Grimlore. It's a podcast on... I think primarily AOS, but you guys do branch out at anything Grimdark, apparently. Like, he did some episodes on Halo and just kind of whatever Grimdark fantasy catches your fancy. Pretty much. Pretty much. Nice. Um, So, yeah, go check out that. Uh, If you guys have lore, I know this was an official lore submitted, but if you have lore you want me to read, uh, submit it to lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to support the Patreon, Lorehammer Listener Lore. Throw me a buck. Always very appreciated. Um, See you guys on the next episode. Good evening, gentle listener. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.